Hello, Merry Christmas. Welcome to UIN's The West Ham Podcast from the good people at The Athletic. I'm Sam Delaney. With me as always, The Athletic's West Ham correspondent, Rashane Thomas. How you doing, Rashane? I'm all good, Sam. Yourself? All right, thanks. Uh, you get another win to talk about today. Getting boring now, isn't it? Um, <laughs> first, though, I, do, I want to talk about this first. What about this picture of um, Declan Rice uh, backstage, so to speak? With Anthony Joshua and Floyd Mayweather after the fight, uh, I think that just confirms his status as a as an icon of British sport and British society, doesn't it? I agree, Sam. Declan Rice is a superstar right now, and we all know it's Anthony Joshua and Floyd Mayweather who asked Declan for a picture. Well, yeah. like, listen, we're, we're big fans of yours. Uh, we'll love if we get we we'll love if we get a picture and post it on our Instagram account. Yeah. So, and you know what? It had me thinking, right? Because when you think of a defensive midfielder, they don't really get that recognition. It's a strike. Everyone loves a striker. Everyone loves attacking mm. players. Yeah, I think you know, like Wayne Rooney during his heights when he was in all the adverts on, on the front covers of yeah. FIFA and all that good stuff. And it had me thinking, if Declan Rice was able to get a good team uh, behind him, good marketing team, and all that good stuff, mm. there's no reason why this guy can't be an absolute global superstar. Yeah, no, I suppose you're right. He's like, yeah, in comparison to a lot of players who play in that position, he's got a bit of something about him. I mean, the thing is, he's a charismatic young bloke as well, isn't he? And he's of that generation as well. I mean, even before he became a very famous England international, he was already, you know, there was there was that famous clip of him, wasn't there, on holiday when he was sleeping <laughs> yeah. and Mason Mount sort of scared him, woke him up, and he kind of screams and shrieks out. Little things like that meant that he kind of had a bit of a profile that transcended football from the beginning. But careful what you wish for, Rashane. We don't want another player like that going around <laughs> doing all this commercial stuff. You know, I mean, we've all seen Rocky three, right? And that's exactly why um, Rocky gets beaten up by Mr. T in their first fight is because he's too distracted by all of his commercial endorsements and the celebrity lifestyle. And he's not focusing on the game. But anyway, no, good yeah. to see Declan there representing at the very highest level. My mate, a Chelsea fan, was infuriated by it. How the hell? Has he got into a situation like this? I said, because he's the best midfielder in the Premier League. He's a legend and everyone wants a photo taken with him, mate. Right now, if you subscribe to The Athletic, you can give another subscription as a gift for free. It's the perfect present for any football fan this Christmas. Enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. It's the perfect present for yourself and someone else. Just go to theathletic.com slash West Ham pod. That's theathletic.com slash West Ham pod and sign up. It's funny football now because a lot of fans, younger fans, I would say, get into arguments very specifically about who has the best player. And I sort of think, lads, it's not bloody top trumps. But the build up to a game is always like, well, I think that our player is better than your player in the same position. And it's just like people get so angry about it. And it seems like such a mad distraction because the game's the game. It's all that really matters. Watch the game, see what happens. But it was funny that so many Leeds uh, fans seemed to be tweeting about um, the fact that it, before the game, saying this is when you know Calvin Phillips will will show everyone what a fraud Declan Rice is. For Declan Rice absolutely dominated that midfield against Leeds United yet again. It was a good victory for West Ham, but built upon 
the stability and the dominance that Declan Rice lends us in pretty much every game he plays in. We've talked loads about how Moyes has done fantastically well, how a lot of players are playing way beyond what we, we thought was possible in the past. Um, the system's great. The defence is great. We create chances. All of that stuff's true. But there is a strong argument that the reason we're doing so well this season is that we've got the best midfielder in the league. And so every game we go into, we know that in that crucial central area of the pitch, we will dominate. Yeah. And it's not just the best midfielder, the best midfield partnership, in my opinion, with mm. Rice and Suchek. And there's two parts to this. I want to start by saying, the beauty of covering matches for the athletic, right, is that we don't have to file our pieces on the whistle. We get a bit of time after to do a bit of research, to look at clips and, you know, strengthen our arguments. Quite often when journalists are watching games, they're head down from the first mm. minute because, you know, we have the pressure of firing on the whistle. So sometimes right. they miss stuff. So there was one thing I noticed, especially in the first half, and that was Ben Rama, men marking Calvin Phillips. Because after the match, I was like, Calvin Phillips... I know he was a good player, but he was quite poor in this match. He had no impact whatsoever. Yeah. So I just, I just, I just made the note of it, Sam. Made the note of it, and yeah. then we have a thing called Y Scout, which we can use to, you know, strengthen our argument, use analysis, mm. or listeners, readers, subscribers to Athletic, and you know, pick up my stuff they missed as well. And I noticed a lot, especially in the first half, Ben Rahm was man marking Calvin Phillips, like all the time. Leeds tried to build from the back with Calvin and it just wouldn't work because Ben Ryan was always picking him up. And yeah. there was one passage of play, right, where Ben Cooper, he was looking for Calvin Phillips and he just couldn't pass it to him because of Ben Rama. He was so tight to him. He played a pass in midfield to the, uh, the midfield who scored a penny. I can't pronounce his name, but the midfielder for Leeds scored that penny. And there was a passage of play, right, where Declan Rice saw it and he intercepted the pass. And then West Ham went on a counter-attack and Sebastian Haller had that chance, which he should have scored. And that happened so much in the first half. So much in the first half. So the yeah. tactics were absolutely spot on, Sam. Absolutely yeah. spot on. I mean, not only was Ben Rama um, shutting down Calvin Phillips, which was great as well, because our only concern about Ben Rama when we were all calling for him to go into to, to get a start was whether or not he'd be able to put the work in and defend when we were out of possession. Well, he, he, he proved that he could and did a really good job because it seems that everything goes through Calvin Phillips. He plays in a yeah. sort of a quarterback role. Yeah. Not not actually unlike um, the way that I guess Pirlo played for, you know, his clubs for Juve and Milan and Italy. You know, that thing, you're sitting as an anchor at the base of midfield and spraying things from there. And the thing about that is, is that, you know, if, if you know that a team is built around this one particular player play, passing it from deep and you resolve to shut that player down, that unless, unless he is Alessandro Pirlo, which Calvin Phillips very much isn't just yet, then you can just stop the, the, their build-up in its tracks. But the other thing was when we were in possession, I mean, I don't know if you've, you must have seen the, the lovely little compilation of all of Ben Rama's skills yeah. in the course of that game. And he absolutely just rinsed out Phillips a few times, just breezed past him like he wasn't there. My half-time assessment of that game was like, keep giving Ben Rama the ball. Yeah, just keep giving him the ball. You know, in the previous podcast, we were like during the game against Aston Villa, Jack Grealish was absolutely running things in midfield. Yeah, and it was sort of similar to Ben Rama's performance against Leeds. Yeah, yeah. in that that first performance, my word, I was like, this guy, I was like. 
first of all, Moyes has clearly been listening to the podcast. That's for, that's well, one yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, He's clearly sure. been listening to the podcast. That's one thing. And second of yeah. all, I was like, hallelujah. Ben Rahm has finally been unleashed because we've all been seeing this over the past few weeks when he's been coming off the bench. We all know how talented he is. So the fact he was doing it from minute one, just terrorising the defeat. And not out on the wing. Yeah. That was the thing that surprised us was that he picked him, but he picked him in a number 10 role. And I thought he looked better there because he saw more of the ball. I think the, the problem, and we've seen this with a lot of our wingers because the, the, we, we for years you know we've had these wingers who will play on the opposite side to what foot they play off. So, you know, Anderson did it, Ben Rama does it, Bowen and Yarmolenko do it on the other side. You know they're always coming inside. So as a fullback, however good they are, there is a predictability. You know where to stand and where, where to shape your body because you know the risk is them coming inside to shoot. And that's the, that, that's the only issue that I see with Ben Rama is that you always know what he's going to do when he gets it down that left wing. And so it makes the defender's job slightly easier. But when he's playing through the middle, there are more options and you're not quite sure what he's going to do. He can pick a pass. He, you know, that was his first go at starting. I thought he was sensational. I agree. I don't say this lightly, but it was it was Pyatt-esque at times, the way he was spinning, turning, trying outrageous. So he's not lacking confidence at this level. He's not like when... You know, we've seen Felipe Anderson turn up and you know that he's he's been able to dominate games with his skills in Italy, but he just obviously lost his bottle when he got to the Premier League. That's not going to be an issue with Ben Rama. We know that already. Uh, now, all he needs to do, the only thing that was missing from his performance in the first half was that final, final. Yeah, I Either shot or perfect pass. Uh, once, he, once he gets that, and he will. He'll get his eye in and it may well come tomorrow night against Crystal Palace. Once he's got his eye in, he could absolutely demolish some teams in the way that Pyatt once did for us. And you know what? Just reflecting on the season, you know, as we as we chat right now, Sam, what's really pleasing me the most is like every fear I've had, West Ham have been proving me wrong. So mm. the narrative of you know West Ham struggling against teams like Aston Villa, Fulham, mm. one of those matches, Antonio suffers injury against Man City, oh, West Ham could struggle, or able to win without him. Masuaku yeah. suffers. Masuaku undergoes knee surgery. Oh, we've got to change shape. It may not work. The team plays well. One of the best performances of the season, in my opinion. Yeah. And it had me thinking. Obviously, the four-five-one was really good, but I'm liking the four-four-one-one. Sam, I'm yeah, liking yeah. it. I know it's one game, but I'm liking it a lot because I lo- I saw a lot of uh, fans say f- they thought Fornals was poor, mm. and I was like, if anything, Fornals playing the left is perhaps the best thing for him because we all know he's not great on the offensive end but he's an engine he will yeah. track back all day long and it helps with his formation Cresswell we all thought Cresswell didn't have the legs to play as a left back anymore well he proved us wrong again especially yeah. with the free kick for Bonner's goal so again every fair I had this team's been proving me wrong and, and again I really like his formation I think when we started the season there was you know you had some disagreements about uh, amongst West Ham fans and a lot of them were saying well you know you might think our first 11 looks decent but we are one injury away from absolute disaster well we've seen two key players lost to this side and it, you know again it's just Moyes is able to adapt but the other thing is it's so clear that there is an amazing atmosphere and camaraderie in the squad at the moment that counts for a lot what it means is is that Look, Cresswell was struggling at left-back last season, right? But now his confidence is so high. He's been getting so much praise. He believes in himself and the rest of the team believe in him that if he's asked to play left-back, he's just has become a better left-back. He's, he's played the last few months at centre-back 
But he's just, you can play him anywhere right now. All of these players, you can play them anywhere and they're going to play well because they're all feeling good about themselves and they've all got faith in their teammates. It's beautiful to see, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. I think, I think I'm right to say today's uh, Cresswell's birthday. So, Eric Cresswell, I just want to wish you a happy birthday from, from half of myself and Sam. Your gift yeah. will be in the post. It should arrive soon, pal. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> keep up I with do think, stuff. I wouldn't say he's a club legend uh, just yet, but I think that Aaron Cresswell, and I was, to be honest, I was saying this last year when he was getting a lot of grief. I was saying, you know, we need, we all need to remember the amount of time Cresswell has been at this club, the amount of games he's played, the fact that he was hammered a season in his first year, the fact that he's been honoured by England whilst playing for us, the fact that we signed him from Ipswich Town. So it was a big step up from the championship, you know, and he and he kind of took to it like a duck to water. This is an old fashioned type. We, were, you know, West Ham have been beset for years with, um, you know, uh, players who kind of breeze through the club. We often get you know, former internationals who are on the way down in their career who've signed from a bigger club than us, who are just there for the money. They last the season, they pick up injuries. We get foreign players who we pay too much for, we overpay the wages, they never quite fit in. You know, Aaron Cresswell is an old-fashioned signing. This is like the sort of guy that John Lyle would have used to have identified. He's gone to the lower divisions, he's spotted a guy who's done well, he's seen the potential for him to make the step up. And he's come and he's played for us season in, season out through good times and bad. Even when he came in for bad grief from the fans, really awful grief on social media at times over the last couple of seasons. You know, he didn't let that break him. He didn't buckle. He remained a, a passionate club man, you know, and he's rebuilt his form and, and he rises again. And who knows, he might even be hammered a season this year, although there's a lot of contenders, but he's certainly one of them, you know. And I think we need to look at that because... So many players just flip through. No player, not Mark Noble, not even Billy Bonds, you know, goes through an entire period with never having a, a lean spell, never having a season where their form isn't quite up to scratch. You know, in a long career, everyone's going to have ups and downs, right? Uh, uh, but rather than absolutely demolish someone the moment they have a, a bit of a bad year, what we need to do is acknowledge the bigger picture. And, and Aaron Cresswell is the perfect example of why we should do that. You know, I, th- I think he's great. I think, he, he, you know, he'll go down in history as a great West Ham fullback. Spot on, Sam. And you know what? The one thing I like about Cresswell, he never complains. No. Never, I've never heard a guy complain to the media about, oh, I'm not playing well or the fans are against me. Not once yeah. have I heard him complain. He's just taking a shy, you know what? I'll come back, I'll come back even better and I'll prove you guys wrong. But obviously in a positive way. And I remember after the match against Leeds, he was asked about, you know, fourth assist of the season, doing really good on set pieces. And he was like, a big role in that is because of Kevin Nolan and Paul Nevlin. They played a big mm. role in helping him with confidence on the training ground. So obviously a huge shout out to them because they, they're helping him become a great player. And prior to the match against Leeds, uh, Moyes actually asked if he thinks Cresswell can, you know, become an England international again. And in my opinion, the only thing that could count against uh, count against Cresswell is his age. He's 31 yeah. right now, you know, Saka yeah. likes younger players. Well, Cresswell and Antonio to an extent because they're both in their 30s now, so yeah, that's the only thing that I can't, yeah. Them. It's not the and way that Southgate wants to go, is if, it? If, if it was a Capella, oh, they'll be in no time, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, no the time. thing is, look, Cresswell's had his caps. I don't know how many he's got, couple at least. And that's great for him. I feel bad for Antonio because I think the career Antonio's had... He, yeah. he would have deserved at least one or two caps along the way. And now, yeah. as long as Southgate's in charge, we know he's not going to ever get them. So it, it's mm. a shame. But ultimately, like I said before, who cares? It's only England. 
I don't care about England. I care about West Ham. Yeah, same. I'm very, okay, what's your thoughts on um, Halle's performance? Because a lot of fans are frustrated after yeah. the match. Well, to say the least. I mean, listen, let's not dress it up. He had an absolute nightmare. It was, he, you know, since he's come back into the team, he's had some, you know, he's had some good and bad games. Uh, his first game back, he was pretty awful, looked lazy. Since then, he's he's scored a goal. Um, and and he's also, you know, he's, he's had games where he's not pulled up any trees, but we've at least seen him put a shift in and try to improve his physicality and his work rate, which is what we want to see. But he had his worst game of the season against Leeds. Everything went wrong for him. You know, he fluffed his lines. He was bullied by the, the centre-backs. He just, I can't think of a single thing he did right. It was a nightmare. And at first it disappointed me, then it angered me. But by the end, it was almost pity because I thought, this guy is actually getting worse. And it's so clearly a confidence issue. I think even when his confidence is high, he might not be the right man for this job. Ultimately, I think he'll leave the club. But I think, you know, he he actually looked as if he was getting worse as the game went on. And I think that it is entirely mental now because he's doing things that are actually way below his standards. Like he was unable to control the ball on several occasions, you know, completely unable, just nervous, completely unrelaxed whenever he got it. And it, yeah, it was a really bad performance. But the upside is, is that he can play better than that. If he does somehow get his confidence back, then, you know, the amount of goal scoring chances that West Ham are creating. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he bagged a hat-trick at some point this season because we're creating so many chances. We're such a, a brilliant team in attack that, you know, all he needs is his confidence to go up by 20% and he, and he could bag a hat-trick at some point. So I've still got some hope, but at the moment, his form is as bad as it's been, Roshane, in my opinion. Sam, I had some hope, but unfortunately, i come to the conclusion now that I will never work out for at West Ham. Mm. It's been 18 months now since you arrived at the club and we're still here discussing when will you finally arrive. When will, when will it be the I have arrived moment because we're yet to see that. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of a bad relationship where you both know the love's not there anymore but you mm. stay for the kids. Yeah. You, you, stay, <laughs> you stay for yeah. the kids but you both yeah. know the love's not there anymore. And in terms of kids and this reference, it's the price fee. The yeah. price fee is so expensive, but you just hope he can justify it at some point. You just hope he can. But well, you just, West Ham will be thinking at the moment, all we want is to get as much of the money back as we can. And I, well, I think we said this last week, no one is paying anything for Haller right now. Forget getting 45 million back. No one would buy Haller for 10 million at the moment. What, who, who would spend, let's say, even 20 million on Haller at the moment? He doesn't look like a 20 million pound striker. I've said before, the only chance we've got, and and if the opportunity arose in January, I'd definitely take it, is you've got to put him out on loan, preferably to the Bundesliga, because we know that he can thrive there because he's done it before. Get him a loan move to the Bundesliga. If there's a club mid-table or lower table in the Bundesliga who need a goal scorer, he's perfect because he's someone who, who very recently was a brilliant Bundesliga striker. Get him in rebuild his confidence, give him half a season where he bags a bunch of goals in the Bundesliga. That way we've got a chance of earning back our money come the summer transfer window. And and I would say do that now because it's only going to get worse at West Ham. 
Whereas if he gets a move to the Bundesliga or perhaps to France, he will have a chance of rebuilding his value. And that's better for the long term, both for him and for the club. Because what we'll want to do is invest in a proper goal scorer in the summer. Maybe we'll get a Josh King or a stopgap option in January. But in the summer, it'll be time to go back and have yet another go. It'll be about Sullivan and Gold's 100th attempt at signing a goal scorer for West Ham. <laughs> yeah. All of them have effectively failed until now. Um, you know, we'll have to go out again and, and, and find someone who can finish the chances. Because I can tell you, if we had even someone half decent, right, up front at the moment, we would probably be, we probably would have an extra six points at least. We'd top four. Right, we would. We would. If we had, if Antonio had stayed fit or we'd had an on-form Haller or, or, or a decent goal scorer, I'm not talking about Sergio Aguero or Harry Kane here. I'm talking about if we had someone basically like Antonio is at his best, we'd be top four right now. And that's why I hope that we can, you know, get someone like that into the team to build. Because it's all, all this team, as opposed to squad, really needs now is uh, someone to finish the, the plethora of chances that we're creating in every game. Beyond that, we just need squad players as backup. Um, and But in order for any of this to happen, we need to try and get some money back for all of Pellegrini's signings. <laughs> yeah. That means trying to offload Haller... Antonio, probably Yarmolenko at some point. You know, that's that's what we require now. See, I disagreed with you at first, Sam, with your take on how they're going out alone. But, you know, Sam, recently I've been going out on my walks, my evening walks, you know, trying oh. to get some fresh air. Nice. Yeah, trying to get some fresh I air. I love trying a walk, to... mate. It, you, oh, it resets your demons. Yeah. If, if there are demons <laughs> plaguing your mind, you need to get out in nature and reset them. That's the best way to do it. Spot on, absolutely spot on, Sam. So, yeah, I'd say I was out on the walk and I was like, you know what? Sam was right, you know. He was right about Hayley going out alone because I don't know come back from injury. We'll sign a striker in January, or hopefully. And then, by that point, Hayley will be the third choice, so he won't be playing much. So, he surely has to go on loan, as you touched on, increase his value, hopefully get good money from, from him as a result yeah. of that. And happy days. Happy yeah. as Larry, as we say. It, it, it works all round as well because if we put him out on loan and we get him off the wage bill, at, at least the majority of his wages, and that's money that can then be reinvested in in getting a Josh King or whoever else it might be uh, and covering their wages because we'll probably get someone in on a very small transfer fee, pay them with money we're saving on, on Haller's wages and also Anderson's wages. And uh, and I just think it's the best thing. I mean, you know, listen, I don't hate Haller. I feel bad for him. I think things just haven't worked out for him here. Could have been different. Who knows? You know, he could sign for another Premier League club with a different manager, a different system. I'm I, I, I'm not saying I could never see him be a decent Premier League player. I think maybe he's got it in him, but it's just not going to work out at West Ham now. Apart from everything else, irrespective of his confidence, he's just not fitting into the sort of system that um, Moyes likes to play. Yeah. Is he? I've heard, I've heard all, in a nicer way possible, I've heard all sorts of excuses for Hallis' form. Oh, he's not playing with a striker. Oh, he's not mm. getting the support. Oh, this, oh, that. Listen, Ben Rama, you touched on it earlier, but the amount of times I saw Ben Rama trying to team up with a good pass and yeah. it was Hallis not making the right run. You're thinking, yeah. come on, like, if you're, 
if you're like a supporter, I don't. If you're um, if you watch football, you don't support West Ham, and you'd ask me, "What's Haller like?" I'll be like, "Watch that match against Leeds. Uh, that is Haller. Yeah. That is Haller." Unfortunately, well, I would say that was his worst performance. That's the worst I've seen him play. I mean, it, it, you know, I, don't, I I hope he's not going to be like that every week. I mean, do you think he's going to? Let's look at to the Palace game. Do you think off the back of that performance, he will start? I reckon so because I don't think Moyes will rush back Antonio. Mm. I, don't, I don't think it's worth the risk to rush him back. So I think he will start again. Again, Moyes being Moyes keeping the faith. I reckon it'll be the same formation. So once again, Halle has another chance to try, you know, prove us wrong and show you he can get a good run in the team, build on confidence. But it's just not consistent for me, Sam. And that's the frustrating yeah. thing about it. He had a few chances against um, against Leeds. And you're thinking, oh, OK, not too bad. But didn't, he had, what, four shots on target? <laughs> I didn't yeah, put one of them lot. away. It's a lot you know, of chances. Yeah. It's a lot of chances. And a couple of them were really clear chances. There was a header in the first half. I think it was Bowen basically placed it on his head. And he had a lot of time. He was effectively unmarked. But he kind of did a, 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 a heading technique, not unlike the one he employed against Wolves, where he actually did score, where he kind of didn't jump. He just pivoted his body from the waist, um, which when it works, it's quite an enjoyable thing to see. But it's a peculiar technique. And in this occasion, it didn't work because it didn't generate enough power or precision. Um, he, he, he got the ball in the six-yard box and managed to turn his defender, uh, which was good. He did the hard bit. He sort of got himself a clean shot on goal, but then fluffed his shot. Um, it wasn't good. For now's missing a clear cut chance is now just tradition, isn't it? In every <laughs> yeah, game, experience. I mean, you'd, it's almost one of those things I've got so used to. I'd miss it if it wasn't there. <laughs> At some point, it will always work like this. Jared Bowen will make an impressive run down the right, um, shape to shoot, but then surprise the defence by playing a perfect ball into the path of Four Nows coming down the left. Yeah who literally just has to put his foot on it and it's a certain goal. And yeah. Fornals will miss that chance. Now, Palace, Wednesday night. Looking forward to that one. Not a bad team, Palace, this season. They're doing well. They're only they're, they're only just below us. I think that, in fact, they've got a game in hand so they could go above us. So, you know, on paper, this is very evenly matched. Um, again, seen a, a lot of um, silly kind of arguments going on online between Palace and West Ham fans about... <laughs> who's got the best players, which just seems very childish. But, I w you know, listen, I haven't obviously seen Palace as much as um, I've seen West Ham. Don't really know a huge amount about their team. I do feel confident. What do you feel? I'm actually not confident, Sam. You're uh, not? I'll probably say this on par with the match against Liverpool, the most nervous I've been for, for, wow. for a game for West Ham because I, I consider Palace to be a bogey team for, for West Ham. Yeah, pretty sure we did a double for us last season, mm. and it's one of those it's one of those games where we struggle for some reason. Yeah, I watched the last fifteen minutes of their game against Quick uh, Palace, the game against Tottenham, and I thought they played well as as they played good. Whipped in a crossing, which Jeffrey uh, Stop scored from as well. So I have, a, I have a few dangerous players. We all know Zaha's good, so it's a match that I'm not I'm not overly confident for. I got a um, strong feeling that Eze will have a good game possibly score because that's what happens when yep. a player who we nearly signed um, plays against us be very interesting to see because I believe Eze is now playing in that sort of number 10 role for Palace which is where I'm assuming Ben Rama will start for West Ham 
in the same game. And it'll be interesting to compare those two, won't it? Because, you know, the, the rumours are was that Eze was Moyes' preferred option for that summer signing, where it was Sullivan who wanted Ben Rama. Um, I don't know. He started quite badly in the first couple of games for Palace, from what I heard. But his form's improved, right? Yeah, his form has improved. And he's actually playing on the left. Oh, okay. playing, yeah, he's playing on the left. I think, uh, not think, but Hodge is playing a four-four-two recently mm. with uh, Zahar Yeah, classic, <laughs> classic Hodge for real. So, and he's growing in confidence. He did struggle at the start, but he's growing in confidence now. So, so yeah, that's definitely something for the fans to be wary of. But I reckon it's a win-win for both clubs. You know, it's, mm. it's doing well now for Palace, and we're happy. We got Ben Rama, so it worked out well for both clubs. They're very well organised, aren't they, Palace? That's the thing. I mean, Roy Hodgson's teams are like that. So, and and I do have, and I think it's one of those weird rivalries as well, where I think that the Palace fans, who, of course, they've always struggled for a rival because their rival <laughs> is Brighton, which is embarrassing for everyone involved. And I've noticed just from social media that Palace fans seem to really particularly dislike West Ham and have kind of decided to contrive a, a bitter rivalry between us that is almost completely fictitious as far as West Ham fans are concerned. Um, but I think that from their point of view, that lends this game an extra bit of needle, an extra bit of edge. Uh, and maybe that plays a role. I don't know. The fans won't be there. So probably, it hopefully it won't make any difference whatsoever. Um, but, you know, I, I think, I might be naive, I think on paper we've got the better team and we should win this. If you look at the games we've we've just won, the run we've been on, Palace should be a side that we are capable of beating tomorrow night. Definitely have a better team on paper, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm. Without a shadow of a doubt, definitely have a better, paper, better team on paper. It's just, it's just one of those games. <laughs> one of those games where West Ham tend to struggle in, unfortunately. So, I'm, listen, I'll be happy with a draw. I'll say it now, I'll be happy with a draw. Yeah. Game tomorrow. Three points would be amazing. But, but then Chelsea ahead, that's a hard game. Chelsea no, are, are I'm, very I'm good side I'm, this year. I'm confident for Chelsea. Really? Like, I'm confident for Chelsea. Listen, they could have Lampard, they could have Pep Guardiola. I, I'll always be confident for that game against Chelsea. Yeah. Because it's, it's, a, it's a match which we tend to do well in. We fry playing against Chelsea. Beat them on both occasions last season, in fact. Yeah, that's true. So that's true. I have no... I, have no, I would uh, say they're better this year than they were last. But, we, you know, yeah. we'll wait and see. And we do, we do have a tendency to, to you know, perform above ourselves against Chelsea but of course this year we don't really need to do that sort of thing because we're just good anyway yeah um, exactly exciting times alright before you tell us what you've got in store for us on the Athletic this week um, just just update me on how you're feeling about what we could realistically achieve now this season because it's changing all the time I think with each passing result we are getting more confident about what David Moyes is achieving at West Ham. I know Tony Cotty has done an interview this week saying that he, he thinks that we can and possibly will qualify for Europe. What what are you thinking right now, Rashe? So you've always mentioned, Sam, that after about 10 games, that's where you sort of sort of get a feel where a team will finish yeah. at the end of the season. So Christmas is coming up and I still believe an 8th, 10th place finish it's still realistic for West Ham. I thought that'd be great for West Ham. I'm not gonna get carried yeah. away and say we're gonna, you know, get a European spot. I feel like eight or ten place finish should be good, and then next season we go and we, and we really push. So yeah. that's why I'm a bit I'm a bit in two minds about whether the team should like go for it in January in terms of uh, bringing a new personnel, or add one or two, and then next summer when you get hopefully an eight or ten place finish, you go for it. Like you really yeah. go for it. So I'm a bit in two minds about what the club should do, but yeah, I still feel like that's a realistic finish for West Ham. 
Interesting stuff. I, I think that, that, I mean, this is just because I've been conditioned to, to feel like this over years and years of painful experiences supporting West Ham. I think we're going to have a bad run at some point. We haven't had a bad run and it's practically Christmas. We're going to pick up injuries or just go through one of those phases where, you know, you, you lose one and it spills over into the next couple of games. But I think, we you know, we know that we've got enough to still probably achieve a mid-table finish either way. And I, I would say, I agree. I mean, I would say eighth is the highest that I can realistically imagine us finishing. And I would hope that 12th would be the lowest the way things have gone. And that would be a decent season. What have you got in store in the week ahead in terms of pieces we can read on The, on so, the Athletic? Uh, on Wednesday, there will be a piece uh, out on The Athletic on what next for Winston Reid. His loan yeah. spell ended last week at Sporting Kansas City, the MLS club. And Winston's always, he's almost at a crossroad in his career now. Like he's, I don't think he's going to become a first-team player at West Ham, unfortunately. Mm. So is it a case where he's sold or is it a case where he goes out alone again? He's 32 now, he's got three years left on his contract, so who's shout out to his agent because that's an absolutely brilliant contract. Yeah. <laughs> he's got his client. Six-year contract. Yeah. That's like sort of almost, that's that's almost but not quite up there with the the, the legendary Alan yeah. Pardew, what was it, 20-year <laughs> contract or something mad at, at Newcastle United. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And imagine the payoff he got for that as well. So yeah, so yeah, so, yeah it's a tough one because he's the second longest serving player after Mark Noble. I mean, a great player. Obviously, the injury, unfortunately, sort of finished it for him uh, at West Ham. So, yeah, we're interested to see what happens for for Winston Reid. Yeah, um, I think he'll go down as as a as a great player of his era at West Ham. Captain us n- n- uh, numerous times, played for us numerous times, scored crucial and, and legendary goals. Most notably, of course, a winner against Millwall. Um, and you know, always always been good. Um, then just had problems with injuries. I can't see him working his way back in into the squad now. I just hope that he ends up somewhere decent to sort of play out the rest of his career. And Sam, before we wrap up, I have a question I want to ask you, right? If you had to give David Moyes a Christmas present, what would it be and why? Uh, I'd give him cash, mate. Uh, <laughs> that's, I, I always like to give cash to people who... I just like to give cash because uh, I think it's an underrated gift. I think that people think wrongly that it's unimaginative and impersonal, but I think in the day of contacts, in the days of contactless spending, cash actually seems quite old-fashioned. And so I would definitely give him a card with a nice message saying, "Well done, thanks for all the memories. Here's twenty quid. Spend it on something nice for yourself." Um, and I'd hope, and, and that's a little hint to you, Rashane, um, because I, I partly feel as if this was building up to you trying to work out what to get me for Christmas. And I would say to you and anyone else wondering, just send me cash. You, My motto when it comes to Christmas is, you can't beat a bit of cash. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what about, I, what about I, you, Rashane? I, I won't be sending you cash because I know you'll be using it to buy those coins on FIFA. So that's my scenario on my behalf. But um, yeah. oh, you know what? It'll be a new contract. <laughs> yeah, no, well, I think he response. will get one in January, won't he? Yeah, well, he better. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I hope it's I hope it's a six yearer. To be honest, <laughs> I, hope it's a, I hope it's what's known in the trade yeah. as a Winston Reed uh, with, with, with a two-year option. Yeah, with two-year option. Yeah, no, it would be great, and I'm sure he'll get it. And you know, he bloody hell, he, he has earned it. He has really earned it. Um, he has turned round a club 
in extremely short period of time into something that looks real, not a flash in the pan, but a proper team with an identity and a system and a happy group of players. And long may it continue. What a time to be alive. Uh, that's it for now. Um, keep looking out on The Athletic for uh, Rashane's pieces on West Ham throughout the week, including that Winston Reid piece. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Delaney Man. He's at Rashane Sport. Um, enjoy the Palace game. Let's hope we get three points. We will be talking to you after that and the Chelsea game next week. So, you know, just keep it locked to us. Uh, Rashane, any final thoughts? No final thoughts, guys. But again, thanks all. Thanks for the good feedback. Really appreciate it. And yeah, onwards and upwards. Yeah, nice one. Until next time, ladies and gents, come on you irons. And remember, there's only one. Samasiabu! Samasiabu!